This morning, uh, being the uh, our annual 4th of July celebration, uh, we have with us as a special guest, Greg Stubbe. Many of you uh, met Greg for the first time a few years ago when he spoke at one of our Manly Man conferences. We've had him back again as a special speaker. He's a good friend of ours. I first met Greg and his lovely wife, Donna. She's here with us today. It's your first time here, right? Stand up so everyone can see who you are. Wave at the people. La, 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 la. You got to do that Miss America thing where you wave like that. But uh, Anyway, I uh, met them a few years ago. We were... Uh, uh, you know, you know, we travel around the world doing uh, conferences and stuff, uh, and uh, occasionally corporations call us up to come and speak uh, to their employees. A few years ago, Burger King calls me up, says, we would like you to come, we'll fly you and your wife to the Caribbean, all expenses paid, five-star hotel, pay a bunch of money to talk for an hour. Would you come? So let me pray about it. Yes. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> So we came and, you know, we're just having a great time. So the day to work, you know, for a few hours, I came and so I'm sitting in this meeting and all these people talking about burgers one after another. And then just before I came up, they introduced the next speaker. So we want to introduce our next speaker, Greg Stubbe. So this special forces soldier stands up. He's dressed in his military gear, you know, all decked out. And he comes up, starts sharing his story. Many of you heard the story the first time he was here. Uh, some years ago, how he was involved in one of the most uh, protracted firefights to date in Afghanistan. It lasted several days, four, five, six days, whatever it was. Non-stop firefight, man. They just kept dropping in more ammo with him. And his, you know, small group up against 1,500, 2,500 Taliban. It was quite, quite a deal. He eventually uh, got, uh, the, was it the Humvee you were in or whatever, got hit or anyway. So he gets really badly wounded. And uh, they eventually prevail. They get him out of there. Nobody expected him to live. And, uh, but he refused to die. Hallelujah. And uh, he, he hung in there and uh, he told a story, you know, of just why he fights and why he believes in what he believes in and what he went through that day and his recovery process and all the surgeries he's gone through. He says, you know, I don't look very good naked. He says, I got holes all over me in surgery and stuff like that. And he, he finishes with just this incredible story. And when he gets done, this room full of men and women jump to their feet, tears streaming down their faces, giving him a standing ovation. And I'm thinking, oh, good grief. <laughs> Who put him in front of me? <laughs> Who planned this out? And then I got up, and everybody finally, you know, regains their composure, sits down. I said, wow. I said, that's a tough act to follow. I said, the only thing I have in common with this guy is apparently neither one of us looks very good naked. So <laughs> anyway, since then, we've become uh, good friends with him. Uh, we love him at this church. We love it when he comes and shares. He says, why do you keep coming, having me come back? I said, because we love you. And you're one of the few guys who knows me and still likes me. So, uh, and, uh, so anyway, he's, he's been busy. Uh, he just retired from the military, so it makes you an old man. <laughs> I'm not retired yet, so you're really old. And uh, he's... Uh, been, done a lot of stuff. He's been, you know, Fox News and CNN and Glenn Beck shows and all this stuff. Someday I'll be as famous as him. But anyway, he's also got his new show coming on NBC in the fall. He'll tell you about it. It's a hunting and fishing show. And uh, anyway, we love this man. Would you please welcome Greg Stubbe.
Thank you. Thank you. All right, sit down. Sit down. Sit down. I always wanted to do that. And you did it, too. <laughs> Who's in charge? So what's wrong with y'all? Y'all got some issues. You got some, some problems. I don't know what's wrong with you, but you're sitting here in this church on this Sunday morning. Uh, did you did you change the direction you took to come here? Did you were you foolish enough to talk on the phone to anyone about where you were coming? Do people know you're sitting here in church? Really, idiots! Don't you know you're the number one target worldwide of terrorism? You don't know that, but you're safe. You're free, and we're about to celebrate Independence Day. And I want to say this Independence Day that we're not truly independent. You know, we're, we're very dependent on God, on our Creator. And we're dependent on a society that is shaped and formed based on our will to serve God and be effective children for Him. So, we're not independent at all. But as a country, we can be independent of other forces, other, well, I don't want to call them cultures, other places in the absence of culture, our Judeo-Christian values are safe and sound here in America. And I don't want us to forget, no matter how politically correct the environment tends to be, I don't want us to forget that freedom comes only from God. And it can only legitimately be taken away by God. So why is it that humans around the world still attempt to take the freedom of others? Well, I've been very proud as an American Special Forces guy to go into the action for American interests and to help restore freedom where it's been illegitimately taken away from God's children. I feel so validated in how I spent my life and my career. And now I'm not in the military anymore. Now I'm described as an FAG. Yeah, former action guy. Uh, what? No, really. Um uh, Would you think I was calling you names or something? Uh, anyway. Listen, I, I spent my career as a, I guess what you would call a warrior. I wanted to be a warrior. And now, I need you to know that I don't have any problems with who I am. I don't have any identity crisis. I'm at home here now with you, my American team and particularly here in Green Bay. I recognize a lot of you. Uh, I've seen you before. And I thank you so much because when I came here, it was pretty early on after I'd been wounded in battle and, and I came back and I was trying to make a life for myself, trying to get an identity for or a feel for who I was and where I was going. And you restored a lot of my faith in America. And looking at you today, you look like this big, huge bundle of summer fun. 
and I love you because you're here. And that means you're just as much a warrior as I ever was or anyone in the military because you're here representing your faith and our culture. And you're doing it in times that prove to be perilous for us. And I thank you for that. And I want to talk about being a warrior today. Uh, I want to start off, you know how grateful I am for this country. You know how grateful I am uh, for, for having the opportunity to serve and then having the opportunity to live through what I did. And I ain't dead yet, so it means I still need to be a warrior for what I believe in. And you're going to help me. So today I want to, as Ross Perot would say, I want to draw that mangy dog out the closet where we can all get a look at him. <laughs> I met Mike Ditko a while back, and, and he's a gruff dude. Oh, wait, I'm in Green Bay. I can't talk about him. <laughs> uh, anyway, there's this guy in Chicago. Uh, <laughs> So I met him, and he's a gruff guy. He's not politically correct. He's really rough around the edges, and I always had a lot of respect for him. And we were speaking at one of the same events, and I got to have dinner with him and hang out with him, and he's just so colorful and animated with everything. And I thought, this is going to be interesting to see how he can tone this down for a public audience. He didn't. (laughs) The next morning, he... He gets up there to the podium, and, you know, he's, he's had a rough old life, you know, and you can tell he's got some battle scars, and he's leaning on the podium because his knees are bad. And he's sitting there, and he hasn't even begun talking yet, but he's shaking his head because he's already mad about something. <laughs> and he raises up, he says, oh, for crying out loud, look, if you're politically correct, just leave now because this ain't going to go well. And the words he had next, I'll never forget. And I keep them with me almost every day. He said, I'm just going to tell it like it is. In the eyes of God, if it was wrong 50 years ago, it's still wrong now. (laughs) And he's had me thinking about this slippery slope we're on away from our Judeo-Christian values. We're wrong to become permissive of things that we know are wrong, whether we're doing these things or not. Now, I have visions of Sodom and Gomorrah, and I bet you do too. Let me start with something from Ezekiel 16.49. There are three words that came to my attention I'd never heard them before in my life, not in biblical terms, until I was riding in a truck with a Texas rancher for three days. We were filming a deer hunting show in Texas. And this gruff old battle axe rancher was, you could tell he had his own sense of Texas justice. He was hardcore about what's right and wrong. He was a, there was just no bones about it. He was going to say what was right. And if it was wrong, he was going to say that too. He kept, he kept saying, every time we talked about the problems in society, he kept saying these three words. We're arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. As a people, arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. 
And in Ezekiel, I found out later that, you know, this actually addressed the issue of what it means to live while you're not directly committing the obvious sins, but you're in proximity and you've become permissive of things. You're going along with things that are wrong. Look at us. It's unthinkable to me that we can allow things that are happening around us, and because of a sense of political correctness, we don't stand up to say what's right. We're afraid. We're afraid to stand up. But I want to ask the question, and I'm going to ask it every time someone will listen. If it's okay for the people who oppose our values, and by the way, we were here first... If it's okay for them to speak out against our values, why is it all of a sudden wrong for us to speak out for our values? How does that make sense? Don't become a victim of the hype. And hype is all it is. Each one of you is a warrior. And if you look in fleshly, worldly terms at what might be the weakest people in this room or in our society, I'm going to tell you in real terms, odds are that is the truest warrior that you've met because no matter what's coming up against them, no matter what they're facing, I bet that's the person among us that will stand up for what's right. And they won't be afraid to say, I love Jesus. But a lot of us, we're worried about our identity. We're worried about our image. And we're not going to come out and open ourselves up. Oh, if we know we're at church, if we know we're at a place where it's popular to say that, we'll say it. And it makes us look good, so we're going to do it every time. Because we want to be on top. But what about where we're supposed to be making a difference? What is your ministry worth if all you do is preach to the choir? If all you do is get comfortable around people you know feel the same way as you do, what is your value to the culture? You're a freeloader. And so am I. Because I'm so embarrassed about times that I did not stand up and I did not speak out. And I should have, and I missed golden opportunities. And I look back in my life now at people who made the most impact on me. They had the most mentorship power in my life. They were calm in a storm. Bad things would be going on, and I'd be in a panic. People would be losing their composure, saying things you wouldn't expect them to say, acting in ways you've never seen that person act before. But there was someone nearby, a man or a woman, that would reach out and grab you by the hand. They'd say, we're going to do what we can do, but it's going to be all right. And I didn't get it. I didn't get it that it was no coincidence That all these people were Christians. I look back in school. I remember bullying going on. I remember weaker kids getting beaten up. And there was always mm, two kinds of people that would stand up and stop that kind of bullying from going on. It would be an athlete or a Christian kid. But wait, they were in the fellowship of Christian athletes. They were Christian athletes. It's no coincidence. Look, our values, our entire Christian system, our culture, our way of life is based on service to something bigger than ourselves. Knowing right from wrong 
and doing right versus wrong, whether you think anyone's watching or not. And if we follow those tenets, we'll be better leaders. And I'm telling you today that as Christians, we better step up to the plate for what's right and be better leaders or we're going to lose all this beautiful stuff that we observe on the 4th of July. We will lose it. And it will be our failure. It's our failure now. Islam is growing exponentially faster than Christianity. Why is that? I believe that young men need something to follow. They want a sense of identity. And they feel they need respect. That's why they'll even oppose their families. They do crazy things just to try to get respect, demand respect. Well, people around the world, young men are signing up, and young women too. They're putting bombs on their own bodies and blowing them up because someone in their life was willing to be a leader and lead them and give them something to stand for and give them a way to get respect. What are we doing? How can we be so negligent that our God offers nothing but love, compassion, and even salvation? Talk about frosting on the cake. And we can't even sell it? We can't even convince our young people that this is the way? Come on, young people, all they want to do is have fun. They're not coming because they think they can't have fun while they're serving the Lord. If all we're doing is throwing Scripture at them, showing them what they don't know, and intimidating by, by how much we do know, they're never going to come. You can swing that Bible around all you want, but all you're going to do is make heads bleed. We are here to influence others to have a ministry. We can't do that without the accuracy that comes from reading the Bible, the intimacy that will force out your guard. It'll force out the falsehoods and allow you to adopt your weaknesses, embrace your weaknesses, and allow you to identify with others about those weaknesses. And together, we can be strong. That's it. One team, one fight. But as individuals, we're failing. Now, if you think that the military is what service is all about, then I challenge that perspective. It's blatantly wrong. You're wrong. And I'm tired of getting it upside down. I'm tired of everyone acting like the military is what we need to revere in this country. It's not. The military is only a necessary force to preserve the fabric of our culture and our nation. It's only there for those reasons. So today, I'm asking you to take a good look at the fabric of your life in a free country. I want you to pay attention as you're driving through a fast food restaurant. I want you to pay attention as you go home and smell mama's cooking. It might be fried chicken. There might be horseshoes in the backyard. There might be something on TV that you really want to watch. There are things about your life that make it beautiful and it's great to be free. I want you to look at those things that make up the fabric of our freedom and our culture of service. What are we doing for each other? 
Are we loving each other? Are we showing compassion? Are we serving things that are greater than ourselves? Everything seems to go well when we do. But today I want you to recognize these things, and I want you to recognize the military for what it is, and it's good to have respect, but recognize it only as one component that's necessary for the defense. But what about the maintenance of our culture? The military does nothing for that. We have what's called posse comitatus. We cannot even take up arms within our own borders as a federal military. So, tag, you're it. Be the warrior. You're it. We got nothing else. If you're waiting for an appointed or elected official to take up a leadership role for you and save us all, wake up. All right, just when I tell you not to throw Scripture around, I'm going to point out Isaiah 6-8. Isaiah 6-8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. And, And that makes me feel proud of my military career. I feel good about what I've done so far. But then I turn pale and sheepish and I feel weak and I, f- I feel useless because I don't think I'm doing enough as a citizen. And I don't think I'm doing enough as a Christian. And I'm not sure that I'll be brave enough when the Lord calls on me to do things that really matter. And I want each of us to band together and feel strength through our weakness. Please adopt your weaknesses. Embrace your weaknesses or you will never be strong. Confess them to the Lord first and let's confess them to each other so that we'll know how to be stronger and work together to be stronger as a team for our culture. And let's be happy. Let's be happy and have fun while we live our Christian lives so that we may be better leaders and bring more young people into the church so that they don't fall into the fray and cause even greater weakness in our lives as Christians. I'm going to ask you to do something that no one's ever done before in the church, probably. Oh, I forgot Mark is your pastor. Uh, No telling what he's asked for. The next time you're in the privacy of your own home or your vehicle and you hear something in media, you're watching something on TV or you're listening on the radio, you're being exposed to something that is blatantly offensive to our culture, to our Christian heritage, don't change the channel. Listen to it. Watch them. You have to. In the special forces, before we go into battle, before we take up arms against an enemy and fight for what we know is right, we do what's called intelligence preparation of the battlefield. We learn as much as we possibly can about our enemy. 
it is near impossible to defend against an enemy when you know nothing about them. If you don't know what makes them tick, if you don't know what their perception is of us, how can you guard against it effectively? And how can you implement measures for us that will guard against them? So, I introduce Matthew 10.16. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Could it even be that our Lord would ask us to be like snakes? I tell you, it's not that we're to be like snakes, but we need to be cunning. We need to be smart. We need to be crafty. Because if we're not, the bad guys will be. Oh, wait, they already are. They can't tolerate us. They're looking for ways to destabilize our Christian nation from the government, from the inside out. How are they doing that? Because we're just sitting here in our living room thinking of how terrible it is that they're changing things. How terrible is it? While our insidious enemies have gotten inside our very institution figured us out from the inside, then they figure out the laws and they go to work against us while we're just hapless, innocent little sheep wandering through the universe hoping a comet doesn't run into us. No. We're not victims as Christians. We're warriors. We have to be. So give up your traditional sense of what a warrior is. You're it. You're it. Be a better leader. And if you think, if you, th- if you respect the military for the difficult challenges they face in combat and the great leadership that it takes to send someone into a condition where they have to overcome their own fear of dying to do what you're telling them, and they do it, and they live through it, or they die doing it, if you're wondering what that takes, it's not the greatness of military men. It's the code that people in the military have to accept before they go into battle. That code is all about personal conduct and professional conduct on and off duty. So you as a person will never be respected. You'll never be an effective leader unless you're conducting yourself in a way the Lord would ask, even when you think no one's watching. That's it. Because if you tell me to charge that machine gun nest, and I know what you did Saturday night, excuse me, why don't you charge that nest? And, and that destabilizes anything we ever called leadership. So, as Christians, we had better mount up, step up to the plate, face these challenges, take back what belongs to us if we want to stay alive. As it stands, we're losing things that are very important to us. And if you wonder how we're losing our identity, let's look at some words that are being stolen from us. There are splinter criminal groups around the country. One of them is called Sovereign Citizens. And if you're a part of that group, I'm calling you the enemy. 
And I'm not afraid of you or your group. But the sovereign citizens is only one example. There are a lot of groups all over the country that have criminal interests. The things they do inside their homes and the places they call churches and the crimes that they commit against humanity and in public. And then they turn around and they call themselves sovereign citizens under God and say that they're immune to the law of any police or authority in America. They do not represent our values or our culture. And they are not acting in ways that God asks us to. And yet they title themselves with words like sovereign citizens. What does the word sovereign mean to you? This, this Independence Day in America, what does the word sovereign mean to you? Can we allow criminal groups to take ownership of that? No. Citizen. What does the word citizen mean to you? We can't give that away. Here's an example. The Michigan militia. <gasps> militia. Shh. Ooh, bad. We wouldn't even be a free country today if it wasn't for a militia. We weren't even a country. We didn't have a stood-up government. We had a bunch of guys that believed in God and thought that they should create and construct something, a way for people to live in a system that supported God's will for us. We couldn't pay an army. Come on. People had to be willing to fight, and they did it. You, 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 you would do it. And that's why I call you a militia. You would stand up for what's right, wouldn't you? And you're coming from Fort Living Room. That's right. Militia, militia is not a bad word, people. Do not allow criminals, splinter groups, people who are against our Christian values to, to take ownership of anything, much less our own identity. Can I get an amen? amen. Now I'm preaching. <laughs> All right. Now, there is no front line for soldiers anymore, and you know that. And that's, it's, it's a tougher way to fight, and it presents unique challenges uh, for the military because you can't look across the way and see what the enemy looks like. They're not wearing a uniform with a sign on the front that says, I hate Americans. They're fully willing to say they hate Christians, and no one's willing to call it a religious war. How come? How come it's not a religious war? Can anyone offer me a reason when every time they commit an act of violence against us, they're screaming out the name of Allah? But we can't say that it has religious context. It's a random crime. No, it's not random, and I'm not afraid to say that. And you shouldn't be either. And if you're so stuck in, in the cog of political correctness that your next promotion is more important to you than standing up for what's right, then you don't even deserve the job you have. Because there's so much more at stake than your next promotion. You're allowing our children to become permissive of what is wrong. You can't just put blinders on and la, 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 I don't see, I don't see. You know it's wrong. 
And if the only voice, if the only media, if the only attention is on alternative perspectives that defy God's law for us, then guess what's going to follow? We've got to take charge. We've got to take control. And I thank you, Celebration Church, because this is the first place someone told me I didn't have to be a wuss to be a Christian. That's right. And, and I was given an award. It's two brass... They're, it's a box, beautiful velvet box with a brass plate, and it's got my name on it. And, and you open it up, and it has these shiny brass... I got the Brass Balls Award right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I and I think it's so necessary for us to be real. And and I don't have a problem with the Bible and 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 with verses from the Bible. And I hope we don't take it that way. I just think they should be used in a way that people can use them and understand them in the way they're living their lives today. So if you're offended by what you see in here, it's more of a reason to listen to it, understand where they're coming from. God isn't asking you to be a snake, but if you're not wise to it, you're never going to be effective for good, for good things. If we want to know how to defend our good culture, we have to get inside the head of the people who oppose it. I hope you can find a way to agree with me Because we don't need ignorant Christians. You're not helping that way. Get smart. Get in the thick of it. I mean, last time I was here, Mark Gunger was talking about teenage girls in town. You know, even some that went to this church hanging out the window. Hey, give me your phone number. Talking about interactions between teenagers, you know, boys and girls stuff. And how to be smart and maintain dignity and respect. How do you think Mark got all that knowledge? He's wise as a serpent because he's riding around watching. He's listening. He's not going to run away. He'll sit there in the corner of that restaurant and listen to what they're saying, and he'll watch it no matter how offensive it is. I know that he would stand up and intervene if he had to. If something bad was being done, he would intervene. But if nothing bad is being done, he's going to continue listening because he wants to understand, and then he brings it here, and he helps to understand the bad things and translate it into how we can be more effective at good things. Now, don't get me wrong. I I don't like him personally, but I think he's doing good things. (laughs) So this enemy is within. It's right here with us. And uh, I'm asking you to be a warrior with me. Help me. Let's help each other. Let's serve God. And this Independence Day, let's not get washed into this red, white, and blue sea of obscurity because it all it mixes in. Yeah, God bless America. Let's watch fireworks. Let's keep it in mind how much has been spared to maintain this culture. But I want you to keep it in mind how much we're not doing 
to maintain this culture today? Are we arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned? Yes, we are. Let's stop it. Because we got kids here that deserve to live in the love of a Christian environment in this free country. God bless you all and God bless America.